Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. My name is Alex Terpkosh, and this is Tonal Identities. Whether you are here to listen to new music or understand how our lives impact our musical identities, I hope you enjoy the show. Joining me today is biochemist and vocalist Kitty Lilliman. Hello and welcome. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very, very excited for this one also to the listeners because... Katie is a vocalist and we I don't know my my vocal rep knowledge is probably much much less than yours oh stop mine is limited at best (laughs) but it's okay I I have some opera again so it'll be fun but anyways what's your primary vocal or instrumental background well I grew up in a very musical household my parents were both musicians in college they were both cellists my dad also played the trombone and my mom was also in an opera company um the smallest one in the united states in minot north dakota so i like grew up with music in my house all the time i started piano when i was very young i was also in like church choir um sang when i could in my like elementary school ensembles and stuff and then i started playing the cello like both of my parents um when i was in elementary school and then got more into choir and the rest is history and now i um sing in the gustavus choir i'm a soprano um and i was involved in like theater and stuff in middle school and high school as well musical theater uh so music has been an important part of my life for a very long time so why did you stop the cello (laughs) there's not enough hours in the day i really that's the thing that i miss most I think musically in college, I really wish I could be in the orchestra, but there's just too much going on for me to make that full-time commitment. And I have a scholarship to sing in the choir. And as much as I hate to say it, I'd rather get paid to be a musician (laughs) um, right now, but I do really miss the cello. Um, It's a beautiful instrument. And, you know, someday I hope I'll be able to pick it up again if I have some time, um, because it's really great. So, but you are are happy to be singing over playing cello like if you were to weigh the two oh yeah i i you know i don't want to overestimate my talents i was not a super great cellist um and in high school when i was like picking colleges and auditioning for things i knew where my strengths lay and i am better vocalist than i am a cellist and i also just love singing and i love choral music and i still have so much joy um from getting to be in a choir and getting to sing so I have no regrets, but I do. I am sad that I can't be a cellist and a vocalist right now, but someday maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe one day after, of course, we all get all the degrees we want in the world and then can oh. actually follow a hobby. Of course. So what's your first memory of music? Oh, gosh. You know, I think it was, I must have been like three or four, and it was a church like Christmas pageant and my mom tells the story that she was so mortified because I was like I think I was like picking my nose or something in front of the entire church congregation as a little kiddo but I just remember like sitting in the front steps and I think we were singing like angels we have heard on high or something but I was like in my little Christmas dress with all my little friends um and that's like the clearest memory I have of like my first musical experience seems like a very wholesome one (laughs) that's also you know that's a that's a good start to be a vocalist too yeah the rest is history all right well we'll get started um 
for our listeners, this is kind of going to, like, descend. Like, last episode descended into, like, modernity. This one's going to descend into, like, not depression, but, like, kind of sadness. Oh, no. <laughs> and beauty. So, um, we'll just start off with mine. <laughs> So this is Che Galita Manita, otherwise known as What a Frozen Little Hand. And it's from the opera La Boheme. I think I um, I did look that one up and I did probably say it wrong. No, you're good. What? My mom was in this opera, actually. Okay, wow. Wow, okay, you're, you're going to know so much more than I do. But the composer <laughs> is Giacomo Puccini and this uh, tenor is... Michael Fabiano, and this is from the Royal Opera House. So, Che Guida Manina is a tenor aria from the opera, and so this main character singing right now, his name is Rodolfo. He is the poet, and he's singing to Mimi, a neighbor. So Mimi comes to Rodolfo just because her light, like, is extinguished and she needs some help relighting it. However, during the visit, she feels faint and drops um, her room key when she sits down. And all the candles in the room somehow go out, too. All the lights get extinguished. I don't know how. Insert opera drama. And then Rodolfo is like, oh, let me help you find the key. And then he finds it and hides it. But he can touch Mimi's hand. And at the end of the aria, Mimi then goes into an aria and then into a duet. And by the end, they realize they're in love with each other. So romantic. I always like... Opera stories are so... interesting. I don't think they're very realistic always but it very clearly gets the point across. Yeah, there's something about it. Even, like, in different languages, you can tell what the characters are saying sometimes. And that's honestly why I appreciate this Arya so much, is it's so clear that he loves her already, even though you don't know what he's saying. And he has this very... There's this very famous note in the solo that I'll skip to real quick. It's kind of like... Man, that tenor raise is something else. Yeah, and it's kind of like... Oh, I forgot the name. Nessun Dorma. Something like that. It's kind of like that opera, um, that famous solo. So, anyways, I just thought there's your daily dose of opera as <laughs> I slowly share with the world the beauty of it and teach myself the beauty of it. Opera is incredible. I grew up with it in the house, obviously, because of my mom. But yeah, did you ever find it annoying when you were a kid? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I I now have an appreciation for music in foreign languages, but 
at the time I was just like, why can't they just sing in English? Um, and I also wanted to listen to like Katy Perry or Justin Bieber. And we were home listening to the magic flute um, or La Boheme. Um, but now being like a classical musician and having like sung some opera, um, I definitely have a greater appreciation for it. There's something, like you said, just so visceral about the emotion that comes across in that music. And I think opera is something that it takes some time to grow. Like I oh, remember certainly. thinking it was annoying too at one point. But we'll definitely an acquired taste. Here is yours. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so this is Adagio for Strings um, from Opus 11. This is Samuel Barber, and it's being performed by the Duke Philharmonic um, Orchestra. This is Samuel Barber's most famous orchestration, and it's an Adagio, so it's pretty slow, but in your work, it's in between two very fast One is an Allegro and one is a Presto. And it's just a really beautiful, like, push and pull motion strings. And I'll shut up so you can kind of hear it. But it's just a beautiful, lovely slow piece. first played this when I was in high school orchestra and I was a sophomore and had no appreciation for classical yet and this was I think the first time I ever cried playing anything on the cello or playing anything with an orchestra and I have two classical pieces of music in my liked playlist on Spotify and this is one of them because I just love it so much. like between the parts and even like shifting from major to minor there's always this like tension and release this like building up to something and coming back down i kind of think about it like crests of a wave and that's like that for the entire piece that's eight minutes long so it's kind of a time investment but i just think it's so beautiful something i really appreciate about this piece though is how constant the sound is yeah. There's not a lot of open space or orchestration, but it it just floods yeah. the entire That's like actually, atmosphere. It's so interesting that you say that because my favorite moment in the piece at the very end, and it is one of the only moments of silence in the piece. It's there's it's like six minutes in and there's like this huge crescendo of sound and then it's just like a breath and it goes back to the original theme and it's like but you're right it is one of the only moments of like quiet in the piece it's very full of sound you missed it oh it's right here you got it
and because I mean you you're listening to this piece build for six minutes that that silence is so strong yeah and moving. It, it to me it feels like you've just been climbing like this roller coaster and you come to the top and it's like an exhale of breath and it's just beautiful oh I love this piece well, I really want to keep listening to this, but we have so, so much more <laughs> to get through. So also for our listeners, Katie was having a really, really hard time choosing pieces. So, so hard. she chose five for this one um, because she couldn't choose between two. And it's like, why not just do all five of yours? So the next one will also be hers. Oh, thank God. Okay, so this piece is called Horizons. It's composed by Peter Louis Van Dyck, and it's sung by the King Singers, which is a group of um, tenors and basses. And Peter Louis Van Dyck is a South African composer. Um, he was originally born in the Netherlands, but now lives in South Africa. And he composed this for the King Singers for their South tour in 1995 and the text is based on a 16th century painting of the British invading South Africa and so it's kind of describing what this indigenous group of people is seeing as this British ship is coming in um, to eventually um, kill the people who are living there. Uh, but it's really percussive and it utilizes all of the parts so uniquely. And I sang this also in high school. And it was kind of like the first advanced or advanced piece I ever sang with my choir. There's a lot of text painting that happens and it's just really beautiful. Speak to It's hard to dislike good acapella. <laughs> yeah, and it's good acapella too. I remember the first time and wondering how those guys were singing the notes that I sometimes had trouble singing as a soprano, but they manage it so well. Would you call that a countertenor? Yeah. also just that there's so much to listen to i mean in all kinds of music but in acapella especially one like gender acapella that is just they managed to create so much with that limitation of being within the bass and tenor range right and it really it's so complex and i know when I listen to this, and I do listen to it in my free time sometimes, um, I, I like I have to take a couple of listens to catch everything because it is there's just so much going on, but not in a way that is like overwhelming. I think it's in a way that's exciting. 
Well, and it's also another one of those songs where it's so beautiful, but the underlying meaning is so hurtful. Right. Well, the end, like this entire lead up, it sounds almost joyful. It's like very dancey. And then at the end, it's that use of like silence again that kind of drives that moment home. And you can almost like hear like gunshots breaking in the silence, I think. Let's see if I can catch that. Yeah, there's this new urgency. Listeners, listen to the full thing. That's really good. Really, really good piece. So, next up, once again, based on how I kind of laid this out. Oh, I'm so excited! Okay, this is Jupiter from the Planets by Gustav Holt. Um, and this is being performed by Andrew Mansa and the NDR Radio Philharmony. I think they're German. I'm really not sure, but this is, it's just a fantastic rendition of this piece. you watch this video on YouTube, you have to watch the principal oboe player because she just looks like she's having the time of her life. And the oboe part is also really fantastic. So look out for her if you ever watch this video. Have you played this one? Yes! Oh, this was so good. The cello part is goaded, but I think I'm a little biased. And there's the opalist. I always appreciate the planets uh, because it's just yeah. Yeah, it's just every it just fits. And every piece is so different, and like for good reason. They're all just fantastic. This one I think is the most famous of the planets, but there's just something about it that's so special. first time I ever had to play in treble clef on the cello and I remember being so confused but I had like I knew treble clef because I had been a soprano and I had played the piano so I think I had an easier time than some of my friends but I was like why would anyone write a treble clef part for a cellist that seems wrong something that I really enjoy about this piece is it doesn't have a catchy melody necessarily like I'm not going to go and sing this melody but each 
new theme is very enticing. Like, it's hard to get bored or, like, drained out from this kind of music. Yeah, I would agree. There's just... This one is one of the more upbeat of the planets, but there is something that, like, kind of tickles your brain about all of the themes. Oh, and we're coming up on the most famous theme now. This is the best part. complete mood switch from the rest of the piece, but there's just something so lovely about it. This is gonna hurt, but we gotta move on. Oh gosh. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I'm sorry I'm not picking more choral music. You introduced me as a vocalist and I feel like I'm not exactly capitalizing on that yet. That's okay. The the next ones you have are I think we'll cover that well enough. This one is mine. This is colors. What was the color of your eyes again? By Ava maybe. Somebody here just brought you up. I'm three tequilas deep and I forget But honestly, I'm not that drunk My sweat is still smells like your cigarettes I guess you ain't been gone too long How do you not groove to this? My friends keep I am- I'm tapping my toes over here No, it's probably cause you did me wrong So, Ava maybe started performing at the age of seven but has continuously made herself more and more known. This song was written about an ex-boyfriend who cheated on her. Some of the lyrics you'll hear is, my friends keep asking, aren't you missing him? No, it's probably because you did me wrong. Okay, power anthem. Exactly, and there's another, like the lyrics that she just said was, I didn't ask for this to end, didn't have to say goodbye, but you didn't have to kiss my friend. Whoa. That's excellent lyric. And the first time, the first few times I listened to this song, I was like, wow, this is so happy. Like that tambourine? Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to be sad? <laughs> and so this, this feeling of like retro pop and that little electric guitar interject interjection ooh wow interjections make the song like i said a little more happy and i think part of this stems from even maybe possible feelings towards the situation post trauma yeah she's living her best life Okay, and we're going on. We don't have time. We, we got to go. We got to get through these. <laughs> okay, we're getting firmly into choral land now. So this is Alleluia by Elaine Hagenberg, who is just a fantastic composer. 
uh, and this was commissioned by the Gustavus Choir a few years ago um, under the direction of Dr. Brandon Dean. And I love this because the time signature switching is just so funky, and I love it. I picked a bad time to say that. It's firmly in 4-4 right now. But this is a traditionally like an Easter text. Um, Alleluia is like an Easter celebratory world or celebratory word. Um, but something about this just feels so different than all of the Easter music I have heard and like grew up with because it's just more exciting, I think, and I love that. And this is the the first time I ever heard the Gustavus Choir sing in person, and this is what made me excited about choral music. such a bright song especially with that part that just came back in that faster theme yeah also this is the kind of music you know it's like i'll go to church if this is what i'm hearing every single day right no right i wish and this is another example of just like excellent it's really bright and it's just beautiful listeners that is the whole song is two minutes and i guess it's kind of just a little a mood boost to wake up to that Yeah, a little tasty one for you all right my piece and i adore this piece so this is dimitri shostakovich's second piano concerto his second movement on dante Within this recording, it's really cool because the conductor is his son, Maxim, and the pianist is Maxim's son, Dmitry Shostakovich Jr. And the ensemble is the Musique de Montreal. And already off the beginning, like, where's the piano, right? The piano waits a whole minute to come in. And you'll note that this is meant for a growing musician. It's not too technically difficult. So Shostakovich wrote this for his son when he was 19. And here's a beautiful, beautiful melody.
It's like whimsical. I think that's the only word I could use to describe it. But then we're going to start to fall out of it here. And then the orchestras are going to pick it back up in just a second, so here. So this work begins in C minor and with the introduction of the piano modulates into C major before returning back to C minor in the end. Also, this whole work, not just this movement, actually not really this movement at all, but there's numerous octave and scalar passages from finger exercises assigned by Shostakovich's once piano teacher. And for those who are interested in going into playing piano concertos at a developing age, he also wrote a concert concertino for two pianos that was also dedicated to Maxim at a younger age. That's so funny. When I used to play piano, I would hate doing my scales, and my teacher would always say, they'll help you in the end. And, you know, I wish I could have played this and maybe had experienced that a little more intensely than when I did when I was playing. They're always... Lesson teachers are pretty much not wrong, but you feel like they are very wrong. frequently. Especially when they say to do your scales. <laughs> and it's like, look how far I've gotten away without doing it. I'd rather play the fun stuff. Exactly. So I recommend to listeners to finish that entire piece and that entire concerto. But here is our last selection from Katie, which is a very depressing but incredible piece. Okay, so this is Let You Break My Heart Again by Leve, and who's already been featured on this podcast. And it's featuring the Philharmonia Orchestra, uh, which is a smaller orchestra that's based in Great Britain. And I remember the first time I heard this song, I felt like a page of my diary had been ripped out and turned into a song, and I like spent 30 minutes crying on my couch just listening to this over and over again. But it's just beautiful. For our listeners, I did pronounce this as Lafi, and that's so wrong. It is so wrong. I should stop. But I think the beauty of this piece, as you'll hear, is this chorus that's about to show up. Like, she sings it is so impactful. 
it's really all of her music I find is like that she just takes the simplest themes and elevates them and I get to see her live in October and I'm so excited because she's just a fantastic musician and also a cellist okay this is the best line in the whole song And her voice just stretches. Is she an alto? Is she a soprano? I don't know, but I love it. Once again, uh, I've talked about this with Mariah, but Cody Fry has also been releasing music in orchestra sessions, and it's just so beautiful having this his voice, voices just like float over all of the instrumentation, and the oboe is so featured in this piece too. Yeah, I think more singers need to. They just add a whole, like, living, breathing element to music. I think it's just beautiful. And the, the interjections, I don't actually know if she orchestrated this or not, but I kind of assume so. Oh, but she like sure that, did. This cello, like, interjection is just perfect it doesn't take away from the voice but it communicates with it okay this is my favorite fact the cello is the closest instrument to the human voice and in this piece i feel like it is like it's almost like another voice that's kind of singing with her and that's so intense she is a cellist so i think that she wrote it just so she could communicate with that instrument Thank you so, so much for sharing all of that lovely, lovely music. Oh, Alex, this has had just been delightful. I'm so happy. Well, I'll definitely have to bring you back on because I, in, even from your text, I, uh, I think you deserve more than five pieces of music to share. Oh, gosh, there's so much more. I would love to. Whenever you want me back, I'll be here. Absolutely. Well, that was biochemist and vocalist Katie Lilliman. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Tonal Identity. And enjoy the rest of your morning, afternoon, and evening.